Thanks for tuning in to Survivor Sings, Truths About Trafficking. If you're interested in growing your understanding of sex trafficking, then this is the podcast for you. This is your host, Hannah, and this is episode eight, Survivors Not Criminals. We've come really far in understanding the complexities of human trafficking and even the needs of survivors, but our legal system just straight up does not provide for those needs and often defaults to seeing survivors as criminals. And we have to understand that by its very nature, the crime of human trafficking involves basically compelling a person to do something that they probably wouldn't have done otherwise. And that often translates over to survivors of trafficking being seen as criminals and ending up having criminal records. The fact is that traffickers don't just control their victims to coerce them into commercial sex. Like they don't limit their criminal activity to sex trafficking. Because when traffickers see the opportunity, they manipulate their victims into doing a host of all these other crimes. So like robbery, drug smuggling, even recruiting other young girls and women to work for their trafficker. And I know that's kind of hard to believe, but when a young person is in this situation, when they're being exploited, honestly, they might actually believe that recruiting other women, recruiting other girls, that it's the right thing to do. You know, maybe a trafficker has convinced her that, you know, as a female, she needs someone to look out for her and that other girls actually want to be a part of this trafficking organization. Or, you know, she may also begin recruiting other girls so she doesn't have to sleep with as many strangers or place herself at risk of being raped anymore. Because that's just the complex reality that a trafficking survivor might face And that's also the complex reality that fails to be recognized by the criminal justice process. And I think another part of the problem is that it's really honestly hard to convey the extent of control that a trafficker can exercise over a victim and how dramatically trauma can change the way a survivor acts. You know, looking specifically at child survivors, you know, Often children who experience trauma and who come from broken homes, they long for affection, they long for love, and they don't care what they have to do to get it or where it's coming from. And so when a child is given, you know, shelter, food, protection, clothes, that love and affection, maybe they feel obligated to that person who is meeting those basic needs. And so traffickers, they exploit these vulnerabilities through Um, coercion, mind control, guilt, manipulation, mental and physical abuse, even grooming. And grooming often takes place when the victim and the trafficker engage in intimate relations. And so going back to trauma bonding, that, that is so, so powerful. And this whole process, you know, it's done to weaken the barriers, to weaken the boundaries of the victim. And after the pimp succeeds in mentally controlling the victim, that victim begins to believe that their bond is genuine. Again, back to trauma bonding. And the pimp then demands the victim return her loyalty by doing whatever the trafficker asks. And, you know, this could be anything. You know, it could be drug smuggling. Hey, put these drugs in your purse so I don't get caught. Hey, go recruit this other girl. She's vulnerable. Seems like the perfect victim would be a great addition to our quote-unquote family. Whatever. And when you look closely at the circumstances of a trafficking case, victims are not the masterminds, but they're the followers. 
after all this process of the trauma bond, any request of the trafficker honestly can be perceived as a privilege to the victim. That's how it was for me. And as such, the victim follows through with the request to win over the predator's love, to win over their trust. You know, it's similar to when a child seeks trust and privilege from their own parents, but trafficking victims lack the ability to differentiate between the two. And traffickers are not dumb. They're aware of the sensitivities of the vulnerabilities of minors in sex trafficking, and they have been for a very long time. Honestly, it's probably one of the reasons why they keep such a low profile, which ultimately makes it very difficult to identify them as they use their victims as bait. You know, it, it doesn't take long for mind control to become effective, especially because trafficking victims are vulnerable to begin with. And so then the longer that victim is under control, the more likely that the victim doesn't see an alternative to carrying out the demands of that trafficker. And sadly, when the judicial system fails to respond to trafficking victims, you know, in an appropriate manner, in a trauma-informed way, due to a lack of understanding of the trauma that the victim has experienced, the victim seeks out other ways to cope with the way that our legal system fails them. And that often looks like not cooperating, lashing out, and then that victim begins to be seen as an offender. And then, you know, even before the courtroom, you know, victims interact with law enforcement. And I think part of the gap with victims and police officers comes from the fact that human trafficking cases, they're, they're really different from other, you know, major crimes like murder, armed robbery, whatever. For example, uh, in an attempted murder case, you know, there's typically one crime scene, one suspect, one victim, and, you know, maybe even a handful of witnesses, whatever. The crime scene, it has to be processed. The victim and witnesses will need to be interviewed that, you know, about the event that took place in a matter of seconds. Some historical information about the victim and possible suspect will need to be gathered. And, you know, ultimately the interviews, they likely last, you know, 30 minutes to a couple hours, depending on the circumstances. But when you look at a human trafficking case, you know, most of the time there are multiple victims, multiple suspects, multiple crime scenes. You know, a lot of times they're spread out across multiple jurisdictions, state lines, whatever. And the crime itself lasts in duration from days, weeks, months, even, you know, years. The victims often don't self-identify, especially not upon initial contact with police officers, and require very specific and focused care focusing on human trafficking victimization in order to get those victims to a place where they are willing or even able to disclose about their victimization. In law enforcement, too, I think they are, you know, they're used to having victims approach them to report being victimized. But honestly, human trafficking victims, they very rarely take proactive steps to self-report. And so the concept of proactively seeking out victims of a crime, it, it's kind of foreign to most law enforcement officers. You know, the controlling and manipulative nature of traffickers, it necessitates a willingness on law enforcement's part to go past the conventional thought process of reactive case acquisition and start to proactively seek out those members of society who are being compelled, being forced to engage in commercial sex. And honestly, 
I hate to say it, but the unjust criminalization of trafficking victims, more often than not, it's the rule. It's not the exception. And they're often arrested for prostitution or these other crimes like we talked about earlier, possession of weapons, possession of drugs, identity theft, all of these crimes which probably have been orchestrated in some way by their trafficker. And what's even worse than all of this is that the punitive forces of our criminal justice system, they go far beyond the prison walls and these convictions that result from these arrests, they impact survivors' lives for years. You know, survivors with a criminal record, they face rejection from a job or housing application when that potential employer or landlord, when they find out, you know, about these criminal records in the background check. Um, survivors find themselves, you know, disqualified from financial aid, uh, private student loans, if they seek to, you know, go to college, even get their GED, whatever. Um, having a criminal record, it makes maintaining child custody extraordinarily difficult. And survivors, I know survivors who received really poor medical care from professionals because of their records. And ultimately, when our criminal justice system, when we restrict survivors from accessing these basic rights, what we're doing is continuing the victimization that they experienced by their trafficker. And I hate it. I hate it so much because these, what these convictions do is they force survivors to live with a criminal record based off a crime they didn't willingly commit. You know, you look back, you can Google Centoya Brown. She was a pretty common one. I think, don't quote me on this. I don't really remember correctly. I have really bad memory. But um, she ended up killing one of her buyers under the duress of her trafficker and she served a really long sentence before people you know found out about it and began protesting and you know she did end up not having to serve the rest of her sentence but she wrote a book and it, it's super enlightening and really just goes to show that criminal record relief it's such a crucial part of recovery for trafficking survivors sex trafficking survivors i don't even i feel like this doesn't even need to be said but they don't belong in prison when they're identified in our legal system as survivors, as victims of trafficking, they should be given access to therapy, support, restorative services, not life sentences. You know, trafficking survivors, they're not criminals. They are survivors. And the lives they lead after trafficking really shouldn't be marred by a criminal record that drags them down, but rather should be marked by compassionate action and legislation that allows them to find their footing in a world that finally sees them clearly. And yeah, so that's, thank you so much for tuning into today's episode of Survivor Sings Truths About Trafficking. You can find me on Facebook and Instagram at Truths About Trafficking. And I'll also put my website in the description of this podcast. If you like what you heard, jump on over to iTunes, give some stars. That would be really awesome. And I'll see you next week.